that's what it was. <laughs> uh. Baker. Yo. Rebecca Mussetter. Hello. We got the crew today. Rebecca's back in the studio with us. Boys are back in town. Abel's got his New York Yankees hat on. That's right. And his Seattle Mariners jersey. Yankees. And we are practicing really excellent social distancing. We really are knocking it out of the park right now with social distancing. Rebecca's like six and three quarters away from me and Abel's more like seven and and eight. So today's magic word that if we say it. The C word? COVID? Nice. Face slap. There we go. That's my button. Okay. So say it one more time, uh, Adam. Coronavirus. Face slap. There we go. You got to do it quicker. Remember Pee Wee's Playhouse? They had that, like the word of the day. And then ever, no, I never watched Pee Wee's Playhouse. Okay. Well, you just took the moral high ground. Yeah. I, I watched, that was another movie that I really loved and didn't understand when I was a kid. Was that Pee Wee's? Big adventure, grand adventure, or something. So like I have it. a theory about that. That that whole person and his movies. I think mental health professionals got together and created jobs for themselves twenty years later. That's what I think was going on. Yeah, I watched that movie as an adult, and I thought, why would why would parents let their kids watch this? <laughs> And all of a sudden, that moral high ground that I took becomes justified. I just, as a kid, as a kid, all I remember was that is one sweet bicycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and just for everyone who's listening, she said that's another movie that I watched that I didn't understand. You missed the previous conversation that we were talking about. Who framed Roger Rabbit? So that was the other movie that Rebecca didn't understand. <laughs> right. I couldn't tell you the plot of that movie now. Uh, I just know that it had cartoons. And real people. Mixed together, yeah. Like magic. Brilliant. So all of this is a tremendous segue, not at all in any way to what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. We're gonna... So I actually have a way to do it. Let's hear it. Okay. We're going to be talking about barriers to care, okay? And whenever we say that, do you want to know what I think about? Because I'm listexic. Care bears. Carriers Remember to care bear. bears? Oh, yeah. That was... So you're going to say carriers to bear now on accident because that's the way it comes across in my head. Care bears were my jam. Were they? Yep. Yeah, I loved care bears. But I'd never say that publicly. Another show I didn't watch. See, I would. Just I'm not kidding. afraid. I totally watched Care Bears. <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it. No. No, I did too. <clears throat> and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that too. I had the toys and my mom wondered why I had boys action figures. But in my head, I imagined there was like a princess Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle that wore like the round cone hat with the veil and had like a dress that went around her shell. 
Nice. And she hung out with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Would she be Tierra Mutant Ninja Turtles? (laughs) (laughs) So April wasn't enough of a female character for you. She was cool, but she wasn't like whatever that princess turtle was. (laughs) She made up a princess turtle. That's so That is. I'm just trying to imagine it right now. Um, so, so you're here to bear. Yeah, you're here as our our special guest, and we want you to talk about care bears, <laughs> <laughs> barriers to care. Um, this is a this is going to be a cool topic today. So, what are t- tell us before we get into some of the ones that we've identified here, um, Rebecca? What do you mean by barriers? Like. If we're talking about healthcare, uh, what what are we talking about today in regard to barriers? Right. So in rural Montana, um, you know, in in eastern Montana, there are two large barriers to healthcare um, that um, I'm sure our communities can identify with. One is um, distance. So you know, Bighorn Valley Health Center serves um, a, a service area that is, you know, the size of like half of New England Yeah. Um, with seven locations and a small staff. And, um, and still, people have to drive a long way to get to those seven locations. Mm. Uh, the other major barrier we experience to care is access. Um, and so... It's not just that you have to travel far to get to a clinic. It's that a clinic has hours of operation that may not yeah. work with your life. Um, you may have to see a type of provider who's not immediately in your area. So you have to travel even farther to go see. Like a specialist of, or something. Right. Yeah, or yeah. a behavioral health care provider or a dentist even. Um, or, you know. I think of uh, people who need braces who live in lame deer and have to drive to Billings to get their braces adjusted on a monthly basis. So when, when we were talking about how um, we want, we want to kind of put this into the minds of, of the listeners, what, what we're saying, um, is it because are we, are we talking about this because of what we're going through right now, is this something that will? Uh, is this something that people will will come back to the way it is, or is do you feel like healthcare is ch- going to change for a long time, or for is, are we going to see some pretty big changes because of COVID nineteen? So Big slap, yeah. or is this been strategic direction all along? Right. Yeah, because that's and, what I'm wondering. Yeah, and uh, and is this the direction that we have been desiring to move? Well, so you know, those barriers existed before coronavirus—the barriers of distance and face slap. Yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> they existed You're before, <laughs> you know, what we're calling the new normal. Okay, um, the barriers of space and access. Um, so we've, as an organization, been trying to find ways to remove those barriers to care for a long time. Um, so, you know, if, 
If you're listening to this podcast and you're currently a Bighorn Valley Health Center patient, you know that you can come into any of our clinics and see a provider at any of our other clinics via um, a means of healthcare we call telehealth. So a, a nurse will check you in to a clinic and you'll get seated in an exam room and the nurse will conduct your physical exam while a provider um, who's in another physical space sees you via um, a live streaming video. And then if you need any labs drawn or anything else done at the clinic, that happens while you're at the clinic. And that's something that we were already offering as a way of sort of circumventing the access issue um, so that even if you were in a, a place where um, you didn't have access to, say, a behavioral health care provider or you know what we call resource support specialists, so someone who can help you get... Um, uh, access to um, support services through government programs. Um, all of that was already available to our patients um, by coming into the clinic. The new normal um, takes into account the idea that uh, um, it's takes into account that the idea that we're trying to um, minimize exposure. Um, right. And so for us, moving into a new type of telehealth wasn't that huge of a leap. So now in the new normal, we address the barriers of distance and access through um, a modality we call direct-to-patient care. And so that means that care is coming to you directly. So wherever you're at with your phone or your tablet, there we go. Okay. you can get access to our providers. Um, and, you know, so this was, you know, like you said, I think that this was always sort of part of our plan was to just continue to reduce the barriers to, act, to care. Um, it just happens to also solve a, you know, a very urgent and relevant issue, which is um, reducing exposure to. To, to the C word. Excellent. Perfect. We didn't say it. Thank I didn't you. say it. Yeah. So Rebecca, I guess, can we, so we have a couple of these barriers that we've talked about. I wonder if, if you could give us some, some examples. Um, so, so we've talked about access and we've talked about distance. Can you give us like a scenario where uh, this, this app that I have on my phone um, can help overcome that distance barrier? Uh, sure. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of examples of this because we are now currently offering these services at our clinic. Um, and so anyone can call into the front desk and get this kind of appointment scheduled. Um, but basically... You know, like I said, we have a large service area. So, for example, we've had um, a patient who was a minor who lived in a town that was 30 miles away from our clinic and was regularly seeing a provider at our clinic twice a week. And because this patient was a minor and, and didn't have the ability to drive themselves, that meant that um, their parents had to figure out a way to get off work, take this patient 30 miles to the clinic have their appointment and then drive them 30 miles back to home twice a week um, because we now have the option for um, this direct-to-patient care. The patient can 
access the provider themselves um, through their phone. Their parents don't have to take time off of work. They don't have to drive the 30 miles in to see the provider, and they can still have that face-to-face contact with their provider. That's really great. Driving around on your four-wheeler up in the fields, and yeah, you need to have your appointment or whatever, and you're on a mountain with good with good cell range. It's right. we all crazy know, to think about that. Yeah. We all know the hills with good cell service. <laughs> For those of you who don't live in rural, you have no idea what we're talking yeah. about right now. <laughs> when you see the spire, it's like Lord of the Rings That's right. in, in the country. It's like, oh. But the, you know, the really exciting thing about what we're doing is that this is, um, it's really modeling the kind of care that we're already offering, um, which I think is really important. You know, we're always focused on whole health for the whole person. So when we treat someone for um, health care, we're not just talking about their physical health. We're talking right. about their mental health. We're talking about their dental hygiene. We're talking about their social health, um, making sure they have access to food and other services. And um, the way that we offer direct-to-patient care um, continues that model of care. So, you know... We practice team, you know, what we call team-based healthcare. So mm-hmm. when a patient walks into the clinic, there's a team of healthcare um, clinicians who are going to be working with them. So it's not just your provider or doctor. It's also the nurse. It's the medical assistant. It's the dental hygienist. It's the behavioral health care provider. It's the resource support specialist. So that brings up a great question, Rebecca. So, so when somebody uses this app, what, how, how does... How does that look? How does that function uh, with this team-based care? Is, is like a doctor giving the phone over to a nurse and they're going back and forth? Or what, what's that look like? Right. So if a patient was going to come into the clinic, you know, physically come into the clinic, we would call it a warm handoff. That's what, ha- that's what we refer to anytime care transitions from one person to another. So as a patient, you may not you may not notice it. You're in the exam room and one person comes in. So your nurse takes you to the room and sits down and asks you why you're there. And then they leave the room and then the provider comes in and does the physical exam. Then they leave the room and you sit there for a while and the nurse comes back in and draws your blood. Then they leave and... I've always uh, wondered what goes on behind that door. Right. Well, what's happening is behind the door, your care team is discussing your care. So it's kind of, you know, it's... It's unique to some, you know, something we've discussed before, which is the patient-centered medical home. Um, in that model of care, there's a team, and they are all working on dis- different aspects of your whole health. Okay. And so what's really exciting about the way that we're offering direct-to-patient care is that we're continuing that mission of patient-centered medical home um, by being able to you know, do a, like a virtual version of a warm handoff. So if you were going to be seen through a you know through direct to patient care at BVHC, um, your encounter would begin just like it would in, in the clinic with a nurse or a medical assistant, you know, asking you why you're here today, checking out checking you up, basically, you know, that version where you're in the clinic and you get put in the room by your nurse, your nurse is going to invite you via this app and talk to you face to face through a video. Um, about your visit that day before they hand you off in the app to your provider. 
Is the provider in the same space or are they in a different space? Sometimes. Sometimes, Sometimes they're just mm-hmm. in the same space, okay. Right, you know, reducing exposure is is a two-way street, so we're trying to reduce exposure to our patients, but we're also trying to reduce exposure for our staff members. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes our staff are together in the clinic, sometimes they're separated um, physically as well. The beautiful thing about this model of healthcare is that they can still provide, you know, consistent care to you in your encounter, regardless of where they're at. Um, so your provider... We'll conduct your exam with you via this app. And then, you know, just like any other exam, if they felt like you needed to speak with a behavioral health care provider, they could offer you those services and connect you directly through the app um, in that same encounter to a behavioral health care provider. If you need help filling out applications for um, supplemental services, they can transfer you to a resource support specialist. All of it is face-to-face via video, you know, real-time just like a video chat. So I'm in, like, like I, I kind of feel like I'm kind of sold on this idea more and more the more we, we talk about it. Um, I think the one thing that I want to know, because this will make me all in, um, will I be able to do my own surgeries? I think that's what everybody's wondering right now that's listening. Will I be able to be directed? So like doctor directed surgery. They yeah, say, like okay, my you take the scalpel. My kid needs draw a his, line on your arm. There's a kidney issue, right? So will I be? That's what I'm saying. I or, mean, I'm in if I can do that. What about? Yeah, can you do tracheotomies too? Like, unfortunately, just, no. Homemade can, trach. Can I just unfortunately, say? Unfortunately, no. However, <laughs> however. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and there's everyone's bubble. I did hear a however, though. Yes. However. however, you do have the um, ability to conduct limited physical exams on yourself um, through okay. something. Yeah, it's through a, a kit of um, basically technology that's called Taito Home. Okay. So the direct-to-patient app we're using is called Taito Care. Now, I don't want to just say that that's the only way we offer direct-to-patient services because at any time you can also have an encounter with your provider via the telephone. But if you are using this app, you can use something called Taito Home, um, which we have available through our pharmacies. Um, hmm. And these have a set of... Um, pieces of technology they're basically like gadgets to do like skin exams you can take your temperature there's an otoscope so um you know if you have your kids you can have your your provider can see inside their ears up their nose down their throat in their eyes so the provider has an you know an the ability to get eyes on the patient to um for certain kinds of diagnoses see that's close that's good i like that and I just have to say, thank you, Rebecca, for being sensitive to those who might be listening and not using really out there vernacular, like peripherals, which is what we've been calling these internally, but have been realizing from the perspective of our patients that that word probably isn't going to mean anything to them. So I appreciate you really bringing it down to earth for us and for our listeners. So we're talking about barriers, and I was thinking about the the geographical barriers 
poverty barriers as we've we've talked a little bit about this um when we were when we were discussing um it, uh, we've talked about um even like barriers for schools at schools encounter one of the barriers and we can talk more on those things but one of the barriers i'm interested in is like the privacy barrier because you brought that up where um somebody Want, wants to have more privacy about maybe what, what mental health or like something stigma stigmas that are that, associated. Yeah. That was interesting to me. Can can you right. shed a little light yeah. on that? So along with distance and access, um, there's a you know a, another barrier to care in rural Montana, and that's like a social barrier which is like a stigma for receiving certain kinds of care from certain places. Um, you know, so the beauty of direct-to-patient care is that it's very anonymous. Um, again, because you don't have to drive to a clinic. No one's going to recognize your car in the parking lot. No one's going to know what reason you're seeing a provider for or that you're even seeing a provider. So, um, you know, from the comfort of your own home or your pickup or your four-wheeler or wherever else you feel comfortable making a phone call, you can see a provider for, you know, any kind of service that we offer. And this can be done over a Wi-Fi connection and a cellular connection. Correct. Okay. So if you don't have access to a Wi-Fi network, you'll have to use your phone as a mobile hotspot. So, you know, you do have to have a, a pretty decent connection to your cellular cellular network. Okay. But, um, yeah. That's it. That's we also talked about the, the the time barrier, and you alluded to it at first when you were talking about. Um, I don't know if we talked about this on air, but the like working somewhere and you're working a twelve hour shift. Right. Well, I I experienced this barrier before I worked at Bighorn Valley Health okay. Center, but was a patient there. Um, so I live in Hardin. Um, but because I lost my job, I had to get, you know, the next best job, which was in Sundance, Wyoming. Calligraphy? So, <laughs> so I oh, was I was no. working in Sundance, Wyoming and commuting there. Minor league baseball. Okay. okay. Um, four days a week. It was archaeology. <laughs> Come on. Calligraphy <laughs> is way more exciting. <laughs> Your li- the listeners are like, what was she doing there? Yeah. So thank you. I... I I don't know. I didn't think that they were wondering, but um, yeah. So I worked for the for Black Hills National Forest as the um, district archaeologist for a short while, and so I'd go four days a week and work, and then come home on the weekends, and which meant that I only had one day of the week that I could see my provider at Bighorn Valley Health Center, and it just so happened that was the day that she had off. So it was really hard. I basically had to rearrange my entire work schedule in order to see my provider when I needed to. Um, So, you know, when we talk about time access, you know, I I can't imagine I'm the only one who has has a problem where, you know, I don't really have the luxury of taking off time from work in order to see my provider. So I'm forced to make a decision between providing for my family or taking care of my own personal health what's the choice that I'm going to make? Well, with direct-to-patient care, I don't have to make that choice. I can do both. In other words, 
you can see your provider after that 12-hour shift is over or on those days that she's still providing care, but um, when you're not at, at work. work. Yeah. Or right. when you're at work. I could have I could have made an appointment on my lunch break. If, if <sighs> when we you're, were... There you go. Yeah. When you're archaeologing. No? Or no, that's not a word? Minor oh. league baseballing. Okay. By the way, we need to pause for a second. Calligraphing. Because, yeah, what do you... What do you call archaeology when you're doing it? Archaeologicaling? What is that word? Yeah, like... Our listeners want to know. If I was writing a report, I would say conducting field work. So you don't even use the word at all in it? So there's no verb of archaeology? <laughs> archaeology. Can we just say calligraphy? That's what you were doing. Archaeology-ing. Well, archaeology <laughs> is the study of past human cultures. So I would say I'm... Studying past, past human, human cultures. cultures. Archaeologically. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like, this, is ex- no, that's, this is great because it reminds me of a movie I saw where they were talking about, <laughs> how do you say, what do you call people who live in San Diego? <laughs> do you call them San Diegoans or yeah. San Diogans or San Degans or? These are fascinating things. That's right. Um, we're just, you know, we're just trying to add value, okay, to this content. And I really feel... Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm... You are nailing it, bro. I, I'm a native, a native San Diegan, right? <laughs> the looks, San Diegan? <laughs> the looks we're getting from you are just... Just great. No, I'm... I, I think that we, we have been trying to discuss the new normal and you had said uh to us it's like we're trying to find it that's kind of exciting like we don't know what the normal is i mean we're just get we're pioneering right now we're just guessing do you have any like futuristic visions for us like i love blade runner i saw futuristic kind of stuff there what what are some of your visions for don't think blade runner think telehealth Edward Scissorhands, whatever. Um, yeah. Well, so currently, what is it? It's April 28th Eighth, yes. today. Yeah. So currently we're offering direct-to-patient care. And you can also talk to your provider um, at Bighorn Valley Health Center about getting a set of, of the Taito Home um, kit in order to do those limited physical exams. And they're not even like super, like we were going to get one as a family. They're not even crazy expensive, and it's pretty cool equipment. Yeah. Um, and all of, yes. And so that's currently available. You can see your provider, whatever kind of provider that you have at Bighorn Valley Health Center, whether it's um, a primary care provider or a behavioral health care provider, you can currently do that direct to patient. Um. And you would do that by calling the front desk and scheduling an appointment. Okay. Um, what I see as the future is that we expand the kind of services we offer through direct-to-patient. Um, we also um, will make it easier for a patient to you know, complete their paperwork yeah, online that. through our portal. We're hoping to, that that comes um, later this summer. Um, also, you know, again, in that model of of 
whole healthcare. We do a lot of screenings, you know, like um, depression and anxiety screenings, things like that, that are also part of your care when you come into the clinic. We hope to have a lot of that integrated into sort of that more virtual visit type. Most importantly, though, um, we're hoping to offer, you know, sort of like on-call services through direct-to-patient. Kind of like doctor on demand? Right, except that this is, you know, you know, through our pool of providers across the state, you know, at worst, this would be a provider who works in a community that's just like yours, and at best would be your primary care provider mm. who knows you. So it'd be like making a walk-in appointment. Exactly, except that you do it through the app. Interesting. Now, can I, can I take us into the way future machine here? Tell me if you can envision this. Your Apple Watch is recording your heartbeat, um, other Apple Watchy things. When you call your doctor, they have access to that information. Mind blown. Did I just blow your minds? Is this real? Is this ever going to happen? My mind's not blown. Oh, have you heard of it? I mean, it seems like a natural next step. Yeah, I mean, all of that kind of falls under the umbrella of um, telehealth. Um, you know, that idea that we, you know technology is kind of surrounding us and has the ability to record things about our... Not to sound like creepy, but, you know, our, our phones are watching us. <laughs> well, we would have more control of but, it. Like, we could obviously shut that off, but like the EKG, I think, is what your phone, what your right. watch has. Well, and, you know, a lot of people who have chronic conditions are already familiar with using things like this to monitor their blood pressure or their blood sugars or things like that. You know, there's already technology out there where basically there's a, um, a device that can measure your blood sugars and then, you know, interface with your phone. And they, you know, like, and track your blood sugars that way. And then, um, you know, we uh, we demoed a project or a product like that a couple years ago called My Sugar for okay. patients with diabetes. So basically, our providers could log into the My Sugar website and have access to their um, patients with diabetes. That's you know, really cool. Blood sugar over time, and you know, do really targeted outreach to work with them. So, yeah, I think all of that is in the future, but, you know, for us, our, our guiding star is always, you know, that reducing barriers to healthcare, um, and again, making sure that it's all in line with this idea of whole health for the whole person, for the whole community. So, you know, the kind of, the kind of direct-to-patient care that we'll be providing in the future will be in line with those things. That's great. Thank you, Rebecca, yeah. for coming on and talking to us about yeah. this direct-to-patient care and all of these new possibilities. Thanks for also utilizing some scenarios, like just some real practical things. I think that's going to be really beneficial for those who are listening. Uh, the the uh, the one about you and your your calligraphy work in Wyoming and and how you were <laughs> yeah. able to access well, healthcare. And, you know, just on a personal note, like I was, I didn't know what a tele, you know, what direct to patient would look like, and I saw a provider at 
you know, I saw my provider at Bighorn Valley Health Center via direct-to-patient a couple weeks ago for the first time. Okay. Wow, wow. And um, What was that like? It was weird because it was, you know, we weren't we weren't in the clinic, but I, you know, honestly forgot after a while that there was a, you know, I was on my iPad and mm-hmm. I forgot that I was on an iPad about halfway through the encounter. So it's really powerful to have, to be able to see your provider like through the video. So you, this is available on tablets and phones and on a web page. And on no, what is this available on? Tablets and phones at this point. That's it. Yes. No, you can't go to a website or no. on your computer. Okay. No, it's good to know. But you know, just to put in a plug for the patient portal that again you already have access to. If you're a current patient, you can at any time contact your provider team through the patient portal, which is a website. Sweet. Yeah, that's a very. This has been really cool to hear um, discussion about these barriers literally being removed and it causes us to think about um, these barriers in unique ways and then interestingly enough it creates really new kinds of healthcare that are that are neat to imagine like more privacy in a way um, so really appreciate it um, Adam, do you have anything else to say as we head out? Yeah, if you guys would like to email us, get a hold of us, ask us questions, give us comments, please feel free to email us at the one in five podcast at iCloud.com and share this with your friends and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. It was really thanks, great Rebecca. to yeah. see your faces from six feet away. Straight yeah, up. That's right. And uh, thanks for the, the laughs, too. That was fun. 